Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you, Dr. D? I am fit as a fiddle and ready to talk. Fit as a fiddle, he says. All right, well, then I guess it's a good thing we're talking about The Incredibles 2. Or actually, I guess I should say just Incredibles 2. Yes. Since they dropped the from the title. I can't imagine that that became a point of contention for people, but uh, so be it. I'm I'm kind of amazed that it even came up just at all. Why wouldn't you have? Why? I I I guess I just don't understand the rationale for dropping the. Oh. Nevertheless, we'll we'll come back to this. (laughs) Well, we'll come back to this. Yes, I'm one of those. Okay. Um, that should be my biggest complaint about Incredibles 2 because uh, I had a great time with it I thought uh, for continuing 14 years later it uh, it did not diminish in any way for me yeah uh, that is uh, if that's your quick take I think I will that's a jump, quick take jump right on there and uh, and agree is it only 14 years I thought somehow it was it was longer than that but I'm probably wrong I'm I think it's like thir- 13.6, oh, yeah, right. 13.5. I may have been thinking about uh, different uh, sequels. I see you're one of those. <laughs> Wait, one of what? Those, those who don't count? Number sticklers. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. But it's it's funny because it does feel like um, there is, it has been a slate in the last, uh, or a spate, I guess I should say, I'm not sure, in the last uh, year or two of revisiting movies or franchises from the past. I mean, Max, Mad Max comes to mind in the not-too-distant past, you know. Yes. Uh, something that had laid dormant for so long and then comes back again. You know, arguably as strong as ever. I, I really did like uh, that uh, Mad Max reboot. But, um... Yeah, I I was uh, charmed by this movie. I thought it was uh, sweet and fun, and it was really cool. I hate to keep going back to this crutch, but to see it with my now grown kids, who are you know late teens, uh, and one of them's twenty, so uh, they would have been, you know, fourteen years ago, they would have been exactly the right age to see the first movie, and it and, and none of it was lost uh, for them either. The shine was still there, and these are jaded, you know, horrible millennial kids of the almost the worst variety. So in terms of being sort of over everything, your uh, kids. So yeah, it cast a magic spell over over all of us. I think. Yeah, I thought. Um, I thought. Uh, I thought that. Well, it's I guess it's not really fair to call it subtext, but I guess the uh the messages were just as uh relevant as the first movie, although I did feel like there was a little much of a uh, lot of nudge wink emphasis on some of the lessons to be learned. Did you get that feeling? Well, um they just felt a little more pronounced to me, much like Elastigirl's hips and thighs were more pronounced. <laughs> I have to tell you, this her time. hips and thighs have my wife cheering. Oh, so, I have no objection uh, <laughs> that they were there, but I my first thought was, I want to go back to the first one and see if that's really a match because I do not remember them being 
Oh, dude, it's like gotta that. be. I mean, you can go back and look, but it's the it's the same day. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so I don't think they would have had the nerve to have her put on any weight <laughs> moments later. That's true. I mean, possibly, possibly, because I think you know, there's no real time lapse. They do their they do their thing with the underminer, and then it seems like the next day or within the next few days. They get yeah. contacted by the guy, so and the plot starts. So, uh, yeah, it's really got to be there. I think it was always, I think it was always there. Maybe, maybe fourteen years ago, you were you were less, uh, you know, you were your eyes were drawn to another part of the cartoon, <laughs> and now all you could look at was her. I suppose maybe maybe they did more low angles at some point in the. Oh yeah, line. that's why also, she, suddenly yeah. I mean, screen time. She's probably featured a lot more now. That than is she true. Was. I felt that is true. I felt like it was more of an even balance here, whereas in the first one, it was more like his. But you know, it's sort of like his thing, and then opened up to the family in a in a, in a more uh, full way in that in that first one. A more inclusive way, yeah. Yes. And you know, I gotta say, Brad Bird still has what seems to me like a really unique way of visualizing action and physicality between characters oh he he's yeah he is crackerjack at this stuff we were uh, enamored of his work i was certainly uh back in 1999 for the iron giant which was a very sweet story and just and very well executed it was a terrific little film have you seen it i have not Oh, okay. You well, know, I don't want to oversell it, but no, it's okay. No, no, no. I, I kind of have a sense of it. You know, the problem is, is that I've, I've actually like seen the ending, oh, by accident. Yeah, that would, uh... So for that reason alone, I, it's just, it just hasn't been a priority. But I'm not holding anything against it. It's just sort of like, gotcha. oh, well, would have been Why nice. Start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I still think that there's a lot of like <clears throat> cool beats in it and I, I think there's stuff in it that may be worth looking at even if you sort of know how it ends but i can understand why you wouldn't be racing to your local blockbuster would, even now would you say the that. same would you say the same for tomorrowland i did not see tomorrowland because i was very afraid of how bad it what would be because of things i was hearing oh okay i was so i didn't I, see it because i didn't have a chance because i think they replaced it that first sunday out here. 48 hours i could yeah. be wrong i could be wrong uh-huh. no always <laughs> i always loved uh the iron giant and isn't and it my iron first, giant no it's just the iron giant with, the, sure? with the voice stylings hang on with the yes i'm looking at it <laughs> i think they dropped the the and they just called it iron giant i think the next time is i think the sequel's iron giant too well, I'll tell you what. Okay, first of what I'm going to say is that, that this movie features the voice stylings of Harry Connick Jr. as Dean McCappen and Vin Diesel as the Iron Giant. Um, Dang. But I always had a fantasy that they would remake it as a live-action movie. Um, hmm. But what I, what I want to say about... And that wasn't yeah. Chappie? Or Transformers? No, no. <laughs> nice pull. That was that was good. Wow. Okay. Uh, no, what I wanted to say about the Iron Giant, why I believe it, it bears repeated mentioning as I've already beaten it uh, into the ground, 
is that he, the next film he did was The Incredibles. Iron Giant is arguably sort of set in the 40s or 50s. Hmm. And The Incredibles is the 60s. And, and it seems to be something he, as a writer-director, is able to do. It's to sort of capture uh, nuances of an era and, uh, oh, yeah. and a, sort of a location. Oh, yeah. The, you know, 14 years ago as now, I want to live in like every interior space in that oh my god they were gorgeous weren't they that house they end up in it, it, it's kind of like forget- it, it kind of looked like it was like an animated version of uh of uh jackie treehorn's house in the big lebowski it was just like this <laughs> perfectly realized encapsulation of exotica culture right. from the 50s this retro futurism but not overdone like just it worked. It really, really right. worked. They they had that. They had their fun with it in the when the family discovers the house, and yeah. you got to see a bunch of different things that were cool and funny and interesting and neat. And then they just lived there after that, and it was just that's what was in the background. But so many terrific shots and angles and the sets, I think, everywhere throughout the thing were really terrific and and kind of. Uh, added to it in a way that you know generally when you think of old style you know hand-drawn animation you often think of the the backgrounds as being very flat and lifeless that's true and there was so much vibrancy here with color and you know like the door was this kind of burnt orange when they walked in and it really gave it a gave it a pop i just really i loved that it just sounds stupid to say it but i just love the colors yeah with the, their various superhero things and and well, and the compositions too. Yeah, and the compositions too. I mean, this. Oh, is, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not just cinematographic. It's it's painterly. Yes, just, a lot of it is just so artfully composed. I, I you know, I'm, I'm glad that you that you're agreeing with me because I was afraid that not being <laughs> an animation person in general, that yeah. I was going to be bubbling and gushing over things that are you know standard. <laughs> For right, I would be going, oh, what are you talking about? They've been doing that for years. Right. I mean, I think it's even more vibrant and sort of grabby, grabbing of the eye sockets, of the eyeballs, than the than the original was. You might be right on this. There was Which, definitely, there he definitely played around with more styles. I really liked when, was it, uh, shoot, was it uh, Elastigirl or was it uh, Violet when she had the goggles on and it suddenly was like... This strobophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Elastigirl. Yeah. Yeah, it was this strobe influenced. Yeah, I think there were there were seizure warnings uh, posted. Not at my theater. Association. Oh, okay. Not at my theater. No. Well, apparently, your theaters don't love you as much as our theaters do, or you're not in nope. this. Uh, no, no, know, no, 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 no. Chicago theaters are the theaters of hard knocks. You, you get the movie that you pay for, and you <laughs> take what you get. Suck it and like it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and my I'll God. go out there and walk home in the winter. There you go. Right. And I mean, I feel like you know, I, I don't usually think about acting like anim- like the acting that voice actors are doing. In a big way, like even if you talk about like Toy Story, where you know Tom Hanks's work there is iconic, as is uh, what's his knuckle? I forgot his name now. Who does Buzz Lightyear? Tim Allen. Oof. And I don't usually think of them as doing a lot of acting there. It just sort of comes off. You know, Tom Hanks is hard to miss with him. Whatever, but 
I really sort of felt Craig T. Nelson as Bob Barr. I thought between the work, the voice work he was doing, which had so many peaks and valleys and so much emotion and so many turns he had to make uh, emotionally and vocally, and then just the way they animated him, I, I was fascinated. I couldn't take my eyes off him every time he was on the screen, and I usually don't feel that way. I have such a boy crush on, on Mr. Incredible. And Holly Hunter is fantastic. I love the sound of her voice. She has such a quirky sound in her voice. And she just delivers and delivers again and delivers again. I yeah. absolutely adored the kid who was doing the voice of, uh, of Dash. It's a different guy. It is a different guy, and I didn't notice. Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed if they didn't tell me, you know, if it wasn't in, in press about it or whatever. But the other kid had grown up too much to match. Which was which is understandable. Yeah, sure. Um, um, but, but you know, it's funny because is, yeah. I spent I spent a good portion of the movie. So there was this weird thing going on, and I'm I'm guessing you kind of felt it too. A a lot of the characters, the the new characters, it seemed to me, were modeled after specific actors, but not the actors who were voicing them. Yes, I agree. And and conversely, I was almost certain that certain people were voicing the new characters who actually were not voicing them. And that threw me for a loop when I found out I was wrong afterwards because my feelings about those actors sort of permeated how I was dealing with those characters. I totally understand what you're saying. I am going to, oh God, my head is exploding from things. Um, When I saw the original Incredibles movie, um, I was convinced that the character who was the sort of villain in that called Syndrome. Yeah. He looked to me as though they had based him on, I think, Philip Seymour Hoffman is who I kept yep. obsessing about. And so that's who I kept sort of hearing. And it turned out it was Miller. Like, uh, what's his name from the, from Jason the Lee. Kevin Smith movies? Huh? No, I thought it was Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Sorry, I, I got the... Sorry, I said Miller. I get, I get Jason Lee and, and the guy who plays Sherlock. <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller confused. Um, yeah, Jason Lee. Exactly. So you're talking about it happening for you here, and it happened for me 14 years ago in the same way then, and it also uh, happened to me here too. What was the character that you thought looked like somebody who was not the voice? And oh. I'm come, see if I can come up with mine. Oh, well, uh, Void, who I thought was yes. amazingly well dynamicized. Just yes. that, uh, that whole, like... Flipping someone's directional gravity was just amazing. It was a cool thing, yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was very well visualized. Um, well, she was, to me, she was clearly um, Kristen Stewart. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can, I can see that. She, for some reason, I kept thinking Katy Perry, but I'm sure you're uh, much closer than I am. What's her name? Evelyn? The sister of the the guy. Yes, yes, I know who you mean. Well, I kept going back and forth between her reminding me of late in her life Judy Garland and Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, Judy Garland and yeah, Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. I can definitely see And in that. fact, and, and that's the character whose voice most fooled me because I was 
almost convinced the whole movie through that it was Rashida Jones. Oh. Oh. Who I generally don't care for. I kind of feel my, my the, to, to set up a direct proportion, <laughs> a direct ratio, I am yeah. to Rashida Jones as you are to Uh-oh. Mindy Kaling. Oh my God. And <laughs> they're both from the same TV show. I know. Oddly enough. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Good old Office alums. Yeah, they, they were a quirky bunch, those actors. Yes, they um, were. Okay, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't, I'm not nuts about, yeah, I'm not nuts about Rashida Jones either, but I don't, I don't have as much animosity towards her as I do towards Mindy Kaling. I know, I know, and that's how I, <laughs> I feel. Like, I'm not, because I haven't seen really anything of Mindy Kaling's other than The Office and whatever yeah. commercials she did. All right. Well, go. But Rashida go Jones see. just sort of like <laughs> go see Wrinkle in Time and then circle back to me. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, you see, you see Ocean's Eight and circle back to me. I did see Ocean's Eight. No, oh, of course did. you did. Yeah, of course I did. Of course you did. I saw it with my twenty-year-old son. We went, we went, we went and got our estrogen Jesus. on. Jesus. And... <laughs> by Jesus Crow, Doctor D. Do you That's ever a see a movie without your kids? Or do you ever get unshackled uh, and go and see something purely for yourself? <laughs> I do from time to time. I do from time to time. Okay, just wondering if parenthood makes that a thing of the past. Well, listen, anytime I can do anything with my kids at this point, I jump on it. So mm. if they're, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of things I didn't want to see with them. But yeah, I definitely do uh, okay. do that maybe more than your your average bear. I totally lost my train of thought from before. But I am sorry. oh, I know what it was. Josh Lucas. Josh, Josh Lucas. Lucas is who I felt like the brother, the guy who you think is the bad guy, the salesman, but then turns out to be his sister. Right. I always thought that he looked like Josh Lucas, like they'd modeled him on that actor. And then then I don't know who Josh uh, Lucas is off the top of my head. Well, here's the thing I'm going to say. I'm going to have to say something. You saw him with your kids. He was he was in the remake of the Poseidon Adventure with Kurt Russell. Oh, that guy. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. There is, I think, precious little he would be a model for. Well, and an I don't animated know. character gonna... is not one of them. Uh, that's fair, but that's who I kept thinking of when I was hearing. You know, I absolutely, uh, you know, I absolutely adore, adore Bob Odenkirk, particularly as a dramatic actor, and specifically in the in the world of Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul. Um, is where I really came to, to love him. So I was happy to hear his voice and he did what I hoped he would do and more, but uh, I, I just couldn't quite uh, get over Josh Lucas in my head. And listen, I want to go back to the Evelyn Deaver character, the sister, because I know we mentioned the people that we reminded you of or whatever, but we got to say it's Catherine Keener who is yeah. phenomenal. Oh I yeah. Mean, but God no surprise at the her, same time. Right, right. But I mean, just uh, for a body of work, she is, she's awesome. Going back years and years now. You um, know, so, and just, not always mainstream. It just dawned nice on to, me. I think it's, I think yeah. it's, I think it's unfair of us to Uh-oh. not count an actor's animated performance as a legitimate performance. You know, that's kind of like, if you think about it, that's kind of like mm-hmm. saying, well, before they had television, radio <laughs> didn't count. Right. 
Right. Or once because, they because have I have the same reaction that you do, which is like I look at yeah. an actor's filmography and then I see something animated and I'm just like, nah, whatever. Right. That, like you may as well be right. narrating like a video game. As far as I can right. right, well... But, no, it's true. No, I mean, for some reason, like, now when you said that about Catherine Keener, it just sort of dawned on me, like, no, she didn't suck. Like, none of them sucked. I sucked. We sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, here's the thing. Is that certain? I feel like there are certain actors who you go, oh, well, he's a natural or she's a natural fit for animation. Like uh, Jay Baruchel, I don't know how to pronounce his name, who did the did uh, voice work for How to Train Your Dragon? He was like the main character hmm. there. You know, he's got a kind of a high pitched voice. It does a little something like this, and so you go, "Oh yeah, of course." But he's that same voice whether he's in. He was in the end. I don't know if you remember that one where all the um, all the actors are battling with one another as the apocalypse. The you know. Oh yeah, the the the, uh, the apocalypse comes. party at uh, James Franco's yeah. or Seth Rogen's. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, that show did make me laugh, but uh, he's been in a ton of things too. But he he seems like a natural fit because he's got such a quirky voice. But then you take someone like you know Holly Hunter or Catherine Keener, and they bring they bring those other layers of chops to it. And and I and I really do want to also give a shout out to uh, Sarah Vowell, I think is yes. her name, who does Violet Parr, because that girl is spot on a teenager. And it's not just the voice; it's just it's the it's the perfect synthesizing that they did with the animation that goes with the voices. I just I was yes. really impressed with I think she's how a, those characters came together in a way I never have been before. No, that's true. I think she's a forty-seven-year-old girl. I think we should. <laughs> I think yeah, we should probably uh, just uh, make that clear. Just yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, she's. She is a, a woman of some years. Some I will substance. say that, and I, I, and I want to say the guy, the kid who voiced the Dash voice, yeah. uh, was was billed in this. I just got to say his name as Huckleberry Miner. His name is Huck Miner, but they called him Huckleberry, which sure. I uh, found charming. Now, why do you say they called him Huckleberry as opposed to his birth name is Huckleberry, and he oh, usually goes li- by Huck? No, no, he's listed on on IMDb as Huck, Huck Minor. But in the credits in this movie, he's listed as Huckleberry. I don't know why. Hmm. So I'm making the distinction that IMDb is making, not just. Now I'm also not going just to, whatever. I'm also going to say yes. this about Bird, in general. Yes, please. I feel like, with what limited modern animation I've seen. Yeah. Over the last few years. It seems to me like he's probably the most referential and reverential of classic animation. The only other person I can think of who has done that on his level is I hope you I, I hope I'm not the only person who knows this name. I'm sitting down. Ralph Bakshi. Yes, I know Ralph Bakshi. Okay, good. Uh, not not Felix the Cat. What was the cat's name? Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat and Wizard, right? Wizards and uh, the Wizards. animated film of Lord of the Rings, which oh, <laughs> yes. is not nearly as bad as anyone thinks it might be. But he, because he worked on things like Mighty Mouse and 
some of that other stuff back in the day when Bakshi started making feature films, he always sort of quoted some of those early animation stuff. And Brad Bird does that too. Um, even so much as to like put it in the background with, with uh, some Johnny Quest episode that was playing on a TV. Right, that he's, he's grounding their world, but by picking stuff that's iconic and interesting and, and still fits within still fits within the sort of mise-en-scene or whatever, the, the whole picture, it doesn't seem jarring. If it had been Warner Brothers cartoons, it would have seemed jarring. Because... Well, true. But now that I think about it, the clips that he shows are perfectly appropriate for the time period in which the movie's taking place. If the TV were on and a cartoon were playing, that's what a California house would be watching at that right, time. Right, right. Yeah, true, true, true. No, I, I meant he was serving multiple masters in doing that and served them all well. Yes. As long as we're back on Bird for a moment, uh, he also did Ratatouille, which I think is another Pixar. Oh, yeah. that's uh, I have seen that. Highly enjoyable. I, I don't. I can't say like it struck me on an emotional level, maybe the way The Incredibles did or whatever. And then he he before Tomorrowland, before the ignominious Tomorrowland, he directed uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, which that's the one in Dubai, right? That has the sequence in uh, Dubai. I believe so. I believe so. I mean, just massive budget, massive scale action, biggest movie star in the world for decades, arguably. That's a huge jump. Uh, 2007 is Ratatouille and uh, Ghost Protocol is 2011. Uh, I, I I don't know if you're a big Mission Impossible guy, are you? Uh, no, I can't. Okay, be. I I am, and I I just enjoyed the heck out of his his work there. But notably, it's that sort of a spy thing. So that brings us back to, at least in my mind, the way he used music. In Incredibles 2, I thought was just phenomenal. Yeah. From the very first frame, you're hearing it's not exactly Mission Impossible. It's not exactly James Bond. It's not exactly right. any of these things. But it, but it is so evokes in the it. pocket. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I was noticing it in particular, even in the, in the climax itself, as that boat is, you know, racing towards, careening towards the shoreline. Yes, and Frozone jumps in and starts doing. Hey, everyone is pulling together to do what they do best to slow the thing. You know, that jazz kind of like excited, this exciting, like wild jazz thing, yeah. right up to the very last seconds with the cymbals banging and the. Oh, it was just uh, fantastic the way it just dovetailed so beautifully with the action and felt so organic and not like something that was just layered on to get us there. We were already there. It was helping lift us. You know what I mean? Like oh, sometimes absolutely. The, people are using use music in such a cheap way to kind of get you somewhere where the scene wasn't going anyway. Right. Oh, no, no, no. I think I think this should get best. I, I'm saying it now. This, this deserves the Oscar for Best Ooh. Original Score. Wow. Bold, bold statement. We'll see if you're saying the same drunk thing in uh, seven months uh, or saying the same thing drunk in seven months. So anyway, I, I'm done. I'm done. You know, gushing about the music. Bird, but I, yeah, no, I mean, the there's, there's, there's very little about this to not gush about. Frankly, uh, agreed, agreed. And and um, let me see if there was stuff. I sort of for a second felt like there was something I well didn't care for. But go the on. Third, you, you, the the third character who looked to me like they were drawn from someone else. Yeah, 
was I can't remember the character's name. Was it Crusher? The big hulking barrel chested, tiny waisted black guy who ended up being Russian. He had a, like a crazy Russian accent, but facially, it's Larry Fishburne. It's fucking Larry Fishburne, man. <laughs> I I know who you're talking about. Like he was one of the like reflux. He was in with that group, and he was in with right. oh yeah, Crushhour, Crushhour, Electrics. Oh, you know what? That's funny. He neither spoke nor did I see him enough. Larry Fishburne. I have to look up Larry Fishburne now, uh, just to make sure I'm getting it. Like, tell me about Larry Fishburne, like I did for you with uh, Josh Lucas. You mean you want me to remind you who who Lawrence Fishburne oh, is? Oh, Lawrence Fishburne! I'm sorry, I know him as Lawrence, not Larry. Okay, fine. Okay, sorry. Oh no, God. I wasn't. Uh... I didn't realize you guys were having brunch this weekend. All right. Okay, well, I didn't realize we were in a court of law. <laughs> I just assumed. How many Fishburns out there could you mistake oh him for? Well, I thought I, I, mm, none. Bastard. So <laughs> you're not putting this on me. You're not putting this on me. I thought old Jewish guy is what I thought. I thought I was you were talking about Abe Vigoda or somebody like that. Somebody like from, you know, the tertiary cast of Godfather that I didn't that I wasn't connecting with. Uh yes, I <laughs> Well, that is on you, and I'm putting it on you. <laughs> I will stop here and go aside. There are many times over the years. When I've seen people like some of these actors we were talking about who I've really admired or have touched me in some way, and I I will, in a tasteful sort of way, if they're not eating dinner or whatever it is, just say, hey, I love your work or whatever. And it's always just a split second, and 99.99% of the time, they just go, thanks, and they move on, and I move on. It's just a brief second in the day. It's the sixth or seventh that day. (laughs) Right, as I stalk them. Uh, so this was me and Larry Fishburne in a, in a supermarket, crossing paths in a supermarket in, in New York on the Upper West Side, somewhere in the mid-70s. And I gave him the old, hey, I love your work, man. And he shot me such a look, like just such a fuck-off look. He's the only one who's ever done that. So I don't think of him wow. as Larry. He's not Larry to me. He's uh, Lawrence, Sir Lawrence. Sir Lawrence of Fishburne. But uh, in any case, oh, I recently saw just today, I think I saw him in a commercial for, gosh, I don't know what, probably for a car where they were straight out doing a, a Matrix parody where he was dressed in his black leather and he had a set of keys that had a red tag and a set of keys that had a blue tag and which car are you going to get in? And then they had special effects going on that looked just like they were straight out of the Matrix. And I wondered, did somebody pay for that? It just felt, it made me feel dirty to watch it. Because I do, despite how he how he behaved, I do have a certain level of uh, respect for him as a, yeah. uh, as a craftsman. And I still, you know, it's funny, we're talking about these prejudice we, prejudices we have. And I have a prejudice a little bit when, when stars do on-camera commercial work. It kind of just makes me go, oh, come on. You know, when, what's her name? Jennifer Aniston is doing water commercials. Well, I think she owns a piece of that, but hair commercials or, you know, whatever it is for some shampoo. I'm thinking you need a million dollars a week for like three years. You know, how can you need more? Just 
Well, I totally understand where you're coming from, although I have to say I think your point could have been better served by someone other than Jennifer Aniston because right. really, is that that is that a chasm of a fall? No, I don't think so. But I generally feel the oh, same well, way you do. Hang on a second. Um, the reason I was doing it is because she's well known for having made a super ton of money at what she was doing. So, Oh, so it's strictly the money value? It's well, not presumably just, they're doing the commercial not just for the money. They're not doing the commercial It's not for just the principally. Artistic. No, but it's not just on principle to not be an advertisement for a company. Like the whole celebrity sponsorship thing. Uh, listen. Uh, uh, so... If it was someone like Parker Posey who was going to get a you know a paycheck from this one commercial, probably more than she's ever gotten for yes, yes. I'd say you go. On, I would say you go. You would girl. have more respect for Parker Posey than you would for Jennifer Anderson I because would. of Listen, the average pay. Scale. Hold on a second. I have more respect for Parker Posey than I did for Jennifer Aniston before any of them did any any commercials. But yes, I it wouldn't it wouldn't cheap. It's, it's I guess it's about the money. Well, now you caught me. You've caught me. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. The only reason I did this is because I just, I just, uh, I have a thing about Jennifer Aniston. Like, <laughs> I don't know why Wait. anyone thinks she's funny. She's not talented. Okay. Just, I'm so sick of looking at her. I am too. Her, I am and too. Like, but... wah, wah, wah. And it's like, Brad broke my heart. Wah. Oh my God, you're hilarious. Well, uh, but the thing is, the thing is with this Larry Fishburne commercial is that, uh, it went the step further of basically just stealing all those images from, you know, or, or images that were close enough to that, to the movie that it just felt extra oh, dirty. Oh, one of those. It just felt where, extra where he like, dirty. Pa- like, he like parodies his own work from before. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, the costume he wore wasn't his work. It was the costumer's work. The red or blue isn't his work. It was the work of the screenwriters. You know what I mean? It was like, it wasn't even like he was doing anything that was germane to him. He was just... Oh, so you're saying... So 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 they should have gotten a little piece of it, too. I'm wondering if basically. the Wachowski sisters or whatever, whatever that is now, siblings, whether they got a piece of it, whether Warner Brothers got a piece or if it wasn't enough of a steal. You raise interesting questions. Uh, you raise interesting yes. you this you is, raise interesting questions. This is what I'm here for. All right, so back to Pixar. I want to talk a little bit about the history the you know some of their uh, other works that came out of that studio. Are there some or a few that come to mind for you that caught your attention, your eye or did you see ones that you're like, "Oh, it was completely forgettable. I don't care." So few animated features do I see okay that they're going to fall into one of two categories either I think it's Pixar because I really <laughs> like it and I want it to be Pixar right or it actually is Pixar and I've mentally blocked myself from connecting from realizing yeah. those two because I didn't care for whatever it is like you're gonna surprise me and say Shrek was Pixar, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh fuck, really?" Oh no! <laughs> and then I'm gonna say something like, "Oh, I don't think this was Pixar, but I really liked Wally." Right. And then it turns out that's like you know the biggest movie. They ever right. Had. Right. So, uh, well, I can. I think you were picking those two titles because you knew what those two titles really were. You were using them as bad examples, correct? I was using them as bad but were examples. You also Both of using, them. But were you using them as examples of, of animated features that you have seen? And what did you think of either one of them? 
Both. Okay. All three. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed Shrek, but you're right, it's not Pixar. Uh, okay. And and Wally, you know what, there were parts of Wally that I liked and, and large parts of it that I didn't really talk about having a message that you're pounding. Ooh. Well, I mean, that Ooh. movie Did, was... Hey, man... This might be our next fifth element. <laughs> yeah. but you mean there are parts of Wally you didn't care for? Well, it's just been a while, but I feel like the first twenty minutes was whatever, uh, like the first act essentially uh, was super charming and engaging, and I was interested. And then once the story itself took over, I lost some interest in it. But it never released its banging drum of ecological, you know, do-gooding. It was, you know, wall to wall E throughout the movie. Well, I don't hold that against the movie because I didn't think that its point was don't pollute the earth. It was just more of the the general outlook on where are we headed mm-hmm. generally. I mean, I had heard that there was controversy because, oh, it was you know, pushing this ecological message and whatnot. And right. it's like, okay, I got it in the first few minutes. I was like, yeah, that's what's, that's probably it. <laughs> and then the story took off and we never went back there. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. It di- All right. I actually went through that movie thinking it didn't bang us over the head with it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, um, but compared to Ratatouille, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure what the message was there unless it's let rats cook in your kitchen. And cars didn't seem to have a ecological message or any kind of a, you know what I mean, like a global yeah. concern. It was the first one of all of them that seemed to be, you know, a bug's life would be a great place to have some sort of larger ecological message going on because they're fucking bugs. But did Pixar do Ice Age? They did not. I can't. Okay. I can't tell you who did, but I know that they didn't. But you know it's not them. But I know it's not them. Basically, the easiest way, with the with the Incredibles aside, the easiest way to sort of realize it's it's Pixar is that it isn't people. Toy Story is toys. You know, Bugs Life, their second movie, obviously Bugs, Monsters Inc. You know, Finding mm. Nemo, Cars, their their mm. their go to thing, Wall-E. Um, and then they kind of inside out is more of a classic Pixar conceit because it's not necessarily about the people, but about what's going on inside the people. Um, Finding Dory Coco is about people. So they certainly at this point now have probably about 40% of them feature like human characters and so on and so forth. But um, I think Hmm. I've seen all of them except maybe, maybe one or two at the most, and they have uh, 20. So I'm in the 90, you know, 90 percentile mm. or something. That's more than me, for sure. Yeah, well. Because I didn't see Monsters, Inc., I didn't see Cars, I didn't see Bugs Life. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, huh. I mean, for me, Bugs Life, is a, it, it can be skipped, certainly. But uh, Toy Story, but particularly Toy Story 2, was really powerful for me. Uh, Toy Story 2 came out in 1999, and I became a father in 1998. And so that's definitely between Toy Story and then to- certainly Toy Story 2, something that I shared with this son I've mentioned several times now. Um, and it became part of the fabric of our bonding and, and his young childhood with the toys and so on and so forth. 
And so my kids were all the right ages to see Monsters, Inc., and which I enjoyed, and Finding Nemo, which I thought was also really terrific. But for me, Toy Story 2 is, is the one. Cars, I can sort of take or leave, uh, mostly mm. leave. Um, and Up, I thought the first 20 minutes of Up was the most astonishing emotional journey. It's kind of like... It's the cartoon version. This is going to sound weird. It's the cartoon version of the first act of Full Metal Jacket. You get done with that first act of Full Metal Jacket, you do the boot camp sequence. You do not need to see a movie about war after that. It's exhausting in its emotional rawness. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. What's your take on Full Metal Jacket's uh, boot camp? Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah. It's the only redeemable thing about that movie. <laughs> Yes, is, that, is, yes. is that first act? It, it, is, that was there, yeah. There's nothing like it, and there's there's no horror of war. Yeah. Oh no. It's... Well, I don't know if I want to even say that, but basically, yeah. He 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 shot his load with that first act. Yes, he totally did. The rest of it was just pointless. Right, and in some ways, it's like. I would put that like for certainly for in general just movies, but I would put that up against you know, Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan D-Day landing as that's all you need to say about it. And now we're done. As much as I enjoy the rest of Saving Private Ryan, it is both that and, and the Full Metal Jacket opening are both so harrowing that you almost just, I just wanted to leave the theater at that point and go regroup. But up, up yeah. is up is the animated version of that. There's not. It's not about violence. It's not about that. But it tells a complete right. and powerful story in and of itself, and one that is actually more powerful than I think than what than follows. anything that follows. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've gleaned about up. Yeah, and just just the the buzz about it is enough to swear me off it. Like a vampire to garlic. <laughs> and what I just said... Like, no, in fact, no, no, man, I can't handle that. No, <laughs> what no, no, what no. I just said, in fact, did not make you want to go see the first 20 minutes. It made you all the more certain you didn't want to see it. Well, you know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, sometimes when animation tackles a really deep emotion, yeah, it can sometimes... I think strike a chord or root itself in a way that live action rarely if ever does. Mm, yeah. And somehow I guess it depends on who you are but for me animation has a way of conveying sadness stronger than almost any live action movie can. And so I'm almost afraid that from what I've heard, like if it's that powerful that I'm he like that, that's all I'm hearing about this right, movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I think I'm all right. <laughs> Thanks. That's fair. That's fair. And I don't need to keep going through one by one these other ones. I've seen many of the other ones, Brave and, as I mentioned, Inside Out um, and, and Coco. And they were good, but Inside Out sort of got to me a little bit like I could relate to it more than I could say Coco or Brave, but um, just from an, an adult perspective, maybe a little bit culturally since both yeah. of those take place in a different culture than the one I live in. But um, 
Uh, and now upcoming, uh, this movie, uh, the movie that Incredibles was done ahead of schedule. They got it done and it was originally set to You air. mean Incredibles 2? Incredibles 2. Uh, it was originally set to air to be released next year. And Toy Story, which was lagging in production, was supposed to come out the weekend that Incredibles did, and they basically flipped the two. So there is. You mean you mean Toy Story Four? Toy Story Four, and Incredibles Two switched release dates. So we have next up from Pixar is Toy Story Four. Now, which of these Pixar films that we've talked about, which of them is Brad? Which of them are Brad Bird responsible for? Brad Bird is responsible, not for many of them, hmm. but I will go back and and look. I don't think his name enters into it until, actually, let me just go to the Brad Bird tab, because that's easier for me. He did The Incredibles, and he did The Incredibles 2, and he did Ratatouille, the aforementioned Ratatouille. That's it? Yep. Wow. And I mean, you're talking about as writer-director, or is that including producer credits? Oof. Hang on, now i got to switch back to the other tab. I'm just curious if he has a hand in everything or... Uh, no, I think he's I think he's a guy they bring in to pitch, but I think it's Lasseter and it's Pete Docter and uh, Andrew hmm. Stanton. I think those are like the, the heavy hitters. Brad doesn't turn up until 2004 with The Incredibles as a... Uh, with a story credit and directing and the screenplay. Hmm. He does not get a producer's credit there and then scrolling hmm. down to he gets a screenplay for uh, Ratatouille and he directed it with a co-directing by uh, Jan Pinkava who I don't know P-I-N-K-A-V-A um, and then coming to this one the one in question he is once again director let's see story director and screenplay but not producing credit. So he doesn't have producing credit on any of them. Hmm. Yeah, that's the extent. Hmm. And, and it looks okay. like around the time he first joined them, they started sort of mixing things up a little bit in the director. Well, no, John, John Lasseter did Cars. Andrew Stanton did Wally. Pete Docter did Up. And Lasseter again for Cars too. So it seems like those three are their primary directors, and then every once in a while they just have a guest director come in and do a one-off. I think that Bird is the Bird only... Just happens to be that. Uh, he's one of maybe a handful of others, but he appears to be the only one who is... When he does it, he gets the three... He gets director, story, and screenplay. So he seems to be the uh, a director who comes in and handles more than other guest directors do. They may hmm. just come in and do the, the directing, but don't necessarily get a writing credit as well. Hmm. So he's, okay. he's certainly uh, big in there, you know. I think of it like a ball team, and they have a bunch of different, you know. Sure, he's, he's a pinch hitter. He, he comes up, and he can really handle more than some of the other guys, yeah. So um, that is kind of my... Pixar story. I, I have an affinity for them because, you know, my kids grew up, you know, I grew up sharing those, or my kids grew up with, with us sharing those stories with Pixar as kind of a backdrop, and particularly the Toy Story 2 stuff. So I'm a little nervous about Toy Story 4, but uh, I'm hoping that they will come through as they often have. And, uh, and I hope so for you. Yes. It's almost like that kind of 
kind that kind of anxiety you have when they're going to do a new Star Wars or a new a new Indiana Jones, where you're like, is this going to be horrifying or is it going to make me feel like I'm 12? I trust these guys more to make me feel like I'm 12 than I do those other franchises. Well, I'm rooting for you. I have a feeling you're right. I have a feeling they're going to make a lot of us feel like they like we were 12 again, and yes. yet still imbue it with enough adult themes that we're not. Yeah, that there's it, we don't we don't have to feel guilty about enjoying it. Any other any other major thoughts about that did not this, get covered about this movie? I don't think so. Let me just take a quick look again at the at the cast and like the the nuts and bolts of everybody who was in it. Um, no, I don't. I didn't. Um, I didn't really have. No, I think that's it. Uh, I yeah. I mean, my my sort of. Final take is just, yes, go enjoy it as an adult, as a family person, go in and have have fun. Wow. If by some weird blip yes. on the Mayan calendar, anyone <laughs> listening now has not yet seen it, go see it. Yeah. Do you think um, do you think that enough people going to see this have versed themselves in the first one? Or do you get the sense, as I did, that there were there was a significant portion of the theater who were bringing kids to it who probably never saw the first one because they were too young and either didn't know about it or just didn't bother catching them up on it. We saw it with a pretty crowded group and it was not, huh? I, I couldn't, I couldn't get that read, but I know what you're saying. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with, I don't think Incredibles is a big enough pull. Like, for example, let's just jump back to Toy Story 4 for a second. I definitely think given kids that are the same age in the theater watching Toy Story 4 will have seen mm-hmm. a previous incarnation. Right. But I don't feel like Incredibles made enough of a dent in the, you know, pop culture whatever. Right. That it's necessarily something people that the original is something people have in a queue or in a in a box on a DVD at home or whatever. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like this, I almost feel like I hope it gets more people to watch the first one. Yes, and yes. appreciate. I the, think I'm going to be one of those. Yeah, because I really loved the first one, and I I was mildly skeptical when I went into this, mm-hmm. and I felt rewarded. It was almost like a like being transported back in time. It didn't have the freshness and the newness of the first right, one, right. but it was absolutely worthy in the sense that it continued a pace without it, it, a significant I, I love, deviation in quality or yeah. tone or overall voice. I love what you're Bravo, saying. Oh, Mr. Bird. <laughs> yes. I love what you're saying. And I agree completely that this thing pops from the very beginning and it, it replaces this, sort of a dazzling high energy for what, you know, it, it, that takes the place of the freshness and the newness. You never have a chance to stop and go, oh, this old thing. Right. The way maybe you did with the with Solo or something. Right. It was all just new enough that you almost probably could get by on it if you never saw the first one. Oh, I absolutely think you could see them in any order. It doesn't require anything. Mm. And I'm going to leave it at that. I think double bravo yeah 
Very good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you so much for listening today, in the past, and in the future. For now and until next time, we are your humble doctors, and we are out. Oof.